You're listening to Wealth Tech on Deck, a podcast about the future of wealth management technology, brought to you by Life Yield. Here's your host, Jack Sherry. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Wealth Tech on Deck. Thanks for joining us. Once again on our podcast, we are speaking with an industry leader and we'll explore how he and his firm are doing what they're doing around the confluence of digital and human advice. Today, we are speaking with Paul Gamble. Paul is the CEO of 55IP. 55IP has developed a tax smart investment management capability and then some uh, that helps advisors improve efficiency and effectiveness. Paul, welcome. Good to have you on Wealth Tech on Deck. Hey, thanks a lot, Jack. It's great to be here. So let's start. Why don't you, uh, for those that may not be familiar, uh, we follow you closely because we kind of overlap in, in some ways. Let's start with talking about what 55P is about. Maybe you share a little bit about what you offer, your client base, how it all got started. So maybe uh, give us a high-level view on 55IP and what you do there. Sure. Uh, so 55IP is um, what we call a tax-smart investment strategy engine. And essentially, we're a fintech company that empowers financial advisors to deliver customization at scale. I think unlike other fintech companies, uh, 55IP offers a combination of an advisor-led user experience that we think is very intuitive, investment intelligence sitting at the middle, and then automation on the back end in terms of trade generation and execution. So what we try to do with our platform is make it very easy for financial advisors to incorporate their own investment views, reflect end client needs and values, and deliver personalized tax management through what we call our active tax technology. Our mission at 55 IP is to be the industry standard by offering this across all asset and client types to all wealth management channels and doing that through deep integrations to enhance an advisor's experience as opposed to make them rip and replace what they do. And then in terms of our client base today, our clients are primarily financial advisors, RIAs and otherwise. Uh, today, we work with about 200 firms that oversee approximately $100 billion in discretionary assets for their clients. And then we typically reach these advisors through key partnerships. So we've got partnerships with asset manager model portfolio providers like BlackRock, JP Morgan, Fidelity, Wisdom Tree, Riverfront, for example. We enhance their practice management through deep integrations with RA custodians such as Fidelity, Schwab, and TD, and a growing list of uh, broker-dealer platforms like Janney and Baird. So that's sort of an overview of what we do and, and how we interact with advisors. That's great. Thanks for that overview. So the big news, I'm sure for you and as an observer, what goes on in our industry uh, was JP Morgan's investment or was it purchased? You'll have to fill me in on that. In 55IP, my understanding was a purchase, but uh, what does that mean? What does that look like? I imagine uh, if it's JP Morgan, it's uh, one of the biggest banks in the world, if not the biggest. Where does that all lead? Where, where are you going with, with JP Morgan? Yeah, I know. It is definitely interesting running a lean fintech within the largest bank in the world. And that's essentially what, what we're doing here at 55IP. So we actually just had our one-year anniversary in the JP Morgan family, which was pretty exciting. So uh, we were acquired at the end of 2020, and we've been working, but it's a very interesting setup. So we are independent branded subsidiary of JP Morgan. So I continue to run the company as an independent entity with the support of JP Morgan, which has been you know great. And for me, what it does, it sort of illustrates a key trend of asset managers partnering with technology companies to connect with wealth management enterprises and advisors to add value, not just sell product. 
So, you know, JP Morgan and 55 IP are aligned that they think there's some pretty major trends happening in the wealth management industry, and which I'll, I'll talk about in a little bit. And technology can really help wealth management enterprises and financial advisors take advantage of those trends in a different way and, um, you know, build lasting relationships with their clients. So it's been a great marriage so far. I gather you're part of JP Morgan Asset Management. They also have a robust, and from what I read in the press, uh, their intention is to grow this rapidly. That's the wealth management business. How does that play out? Do you serve both sides or explain how that plays out in terms of the asset management side and the wealth management side? Sure. So I can talk about it generally with 55 IP on, on how we approach things. And then it actually fits nicely in, in how we work within the walls of JP Morgan as well. So at 55 IP, our aim is to be the industry standard for tax smart investment management by serving asset managers as partners and then reaching financial advisors where they do business. And so we've created technology that can allow asset managers to deliver model portfolios, SMAs, and other things in a tax smart way for enterprises to help their advisors manage their client portfolios in a tax smart way. And so we do that both within and outside of the walls of JP Morgan. I talked about some of the partnerships that we had a little bit earlier. But that's essentially how we're set up. So we were acquired by the asset management side of the business so we can help them deliver more tax efficient products. In addition to that, use our technology to deliver value to external enterprises, broker dealers, RA platforms, et cetera, as well as internal JP Morgan wealth management programs within the private bank, broader Chase Wealth Management so that's how we operate both internally and externally. So you use the term tax smart. We do as well. Define that. What, what does that mean? What's tax smart in your definition? Sure. So we really focus on a few things. There are three main components for what we do. And maybe I'll just um, go back up for a second and, and talk about some of the key industry trends that we see. So we see, obviously, the trend from moving from for advisors moving from commission to fee based practices the growth of model portfolios and direct indexing and some big demographic trends from savings to spending and, and things like that. And we think those are great things. They're putting what we call money in motion, allowing advisors to put better solutions in the, in the hands of their clients. But some obstacles, frictions get in the way of getting those better solutions in the hands of the clients. And we think taxes are maybe the biggest ones for enterprises, financial advisors, and of course, the end client. So when we think about tax management, it's really three things. It's how do you get a portfolio from one place to another so the client's in a better position in a tax smart way? So we've created technology, algorithms, and an experience in order to transition a portfolio, matching up clients' tax preferences, tax budget preferences, basically, and trying to match that up to the portfolio that's right for them. And then once in the portfolio, we automatically monitor that portfolio for changes and do ongoing tax management in the form of tax loss harvesting, for example, in order to mitigate the tax bill that may come with those rebalances. And then when it's time to get money out of a portfolio, we help advisors figure out how to do that in a tax smart way so they don't have to keep a big cash balance or have to cause unintended tax consequences by removing money you know, pro rata across a portfolio. So that's essentially what we do. So tax smart basically means how do we incorporate ourselves into an advisor's practice so they can demonstrate value in terms of transition, management, and withdrawals. Gotcha. So as things unfold, and, and I happen to agree with you, as do my colleagues at Lifefield, that 
as seems like the industry is catching on, the whole notion of taxes being the biggest issue at hand. And uh, the announcement on inflation today only makes it worse because inflation, higher inflation, of course, translates into higher taxes ultimately. So people catch on to that. And you do some great things around the things you just described. So Paul, talk a little bit about who and how you work with you. You mentioned you do a lot of uh, model portfolio work, a lot of asset management work. And it sounds like you're also working with wealth managers. How does that play out? Because uh, clearly, like we do, we work with Morgan Stanley as an example, and they they have a obvious preference for their friends at Eaton Vance and, and Parametric, which they just purchased. But they also work with BlackRock and all the rest. So there's the external asset manager, and then there's the internal imperative to manage at the household level. That's where they're headed. How do you play in that regard in terms of the your role with asset managers, and then how does that play into what you do with wealth managers? Sure, absolutely. So, um, so I grew up in the uh, defined contribution or 401k world. And it's interesting, at least to me, I see the trends towards model portfolios and direct indexing within the wealth management space being very similar to the growth of target date funds and managed accounts in the 401k world. And maybe we're an inning, you know, two or three of that major trend that's happening. And so when we think about the ecosystem of model portfolios, for example, we work with key model portfolio providers on the asset management side, like the ones that I named earlier, in order to help them drive a broader usage of model portfolios and specifically usage for uh, taxable accounts, which are uh, typically larger. And then if you look at a wealth management home office, they typically will have their own home office portfolios and a selection of third-party model portfolios and SMAs. And oftentimes their goal is to move more advisor practices from commission to fee-based and using model portfolios as a way to do that. And so our goal is to partner with that home office to help drive those assets into those model portfolios, but giving advisors the customization they need to serve their clients. And so that's really where we fit in the world that I see it evolving, where more and more assets are going to be delivered through these programs that are curated by the home office with home office models, third party models and SMAs and providing customization for advisors at scale. And that's really where we want to fit. Gotcha. So your point of entry, just to be clear, is really you're coming in through the door of the asset manager as they're offered on a platform at a any of the wirehouses or large independent broker dealers or, or at an RA firm for that matter? Well, it actually can be both ways. So we do partner with asset managers and help them to um, drive that broader usage of portfolios, as I described earlier. But we also partner directly with enterprises, mm-hmm. uh, broker dealers, et cetera, like Janney Montgomery Scott's a good example, where we're embedding our technology into their advisor workflow gotcha. to allow them to do a scale across multiple providers within their programs. Gotcha. So that leads to my next question. Where does all this lead? I, I assume that the enterprise is uh, got to be in your in your sights. But when you talk a little bit about where you see all this going, uh, you uh, liken this to target date funds and some of the emerging product capabilities of uh, from days of yore. I happen to agree with you that models direct indexing seems to be kind of the, the, the latest thing to be done. But where, where do you see all this going? Where does all this lead? Sure. So let's talk about model portfolios and direct indexing for a second. You know, if you think about a lot of the press is around direct indexing, which is a major trend. And if you, depending on the the study you look at, it's about a $400 billion market moving to, you know, maybe a $800 billion or trillion dollar market by 2025, 26, which is obviously a lot of growth and expected growth faster than mutual funds and ETFs. If you look at model portfolios, 
it's even a bigger scale. So right now it's roughly a $4 trillion market moving to an $11 trillion plus market over that same time period. But I sort of view that as one trend, right? And it's the trend of wealth managers and financial advisors leveraging the capabilities from asset managers, uh, but then also using technology to provide personalization that they want in their client needs at scale. So I really view the push for customization as really powerful because advisors want customization that keeps them in control related to the things they think are important to them from an investment standpoint, like asset allocation, manager diversity, and other areas. And from a client perspective, taxes may be the most personal thing that they have from tax rates to the tax budget investors are willing to pay. So a cookie cutter approach doesn't work. And so that's where I see the industry going is like not this binary decision between managing assets in-house versus outsourcing. There's a middle ground where you can take advantage of the capabilities asset managers and home offices provide, but then use technology to meet client needs and to deliver your investment views. Gotcha. So you mentioned there's three things that uh, 55 IP does around taxes. There's probably two more you didn't mention. I, I imagine they're in your pipeline in terms of what you want to be working on or probably already are working on around. And one is uh, around asset location. I haven't heard that yet, and perhaps you already do it. And the other is um, income sourcing or tax bar withdrawals. Is that part of your your future in terms of where you roadmap where you intend to go? Absolutely. So obviously, there are many different layers of tax management. And sure. uh, and as a you know smaller fintech company, really choosing how you build out your product roadmap and what sequence is extremely important. Because our partnerships have been primarily with model portfolios, initially, we were really focused on solving that transition problem and then solving the ongoing tax management and tax loss harvesting problem. And today, right. most model portfolios and direct index and SMA solutions are actually delivered single account. Sure. But we the trend towards UMA and householding is unmistakable. And so those are all things that we are developing and have different stages of, of implementation, as a matter of fact. But really, it's the question of how do you connect that into where the advisor does business that makes it easier for the advisor to implement as opposed to an offline process they need to do. So for us, it's always the mix of simplicity and robustness as we think about building our product roadmap. But um, location is definitely in play and part of that. And then I have a huge passion personally related to retirement income, but we've really been focused today on the accumulation phase. But we do expect that as more and more advisors use our services, if you think taxes are a problem in accumulation, think about how you have to deal with those in decumulation. And that's something where we're um, definitely going to go in the future. Gotcha. We recently had uh, Ben Haneke, who is a senior exec at uh, Morgan Stanley. I'd like to get your views. His, his view and Morgan Stanley as a firm, uh, we'll hear more when James Gorman does his, uh, his earnings report, which is coming next week. We're reporting this earlier than this podcast uh, will appear. So his James's views will be out there, but I hear tell that he'll be talking a lot about taxes and how important taxes are. Mm-hmm. I also imagine, and we'll see if my prognostication is accurate when it comes out, also that uh, as more people age out of the business and fewer are coming in, that not only will there be fewer advisors, but uh, they'll be managing bigger books of business. And frankly, technology will be vital. That seems to be a key tenet of, of Morgan Stanley's view and strategy as, uh, 
And Ben, as he as, uh, has said publicly, they're talking about like a 10x increase in co- the kind of assets they have to manage. And as you well know, Paul, given what you all do and what we do, we know you can't do that you know, with yourself and an assistant. It just uh, doesn't work that way anymore. So talk a little bit about your view on where this is all headed. It seems inevitable that taxes will be primary in terms of a concern for the coming years. It seems that you'll be the advisor will be managing much bigger books of business and will need technology. We've got a, a demographic shift that you well know that uh, people are retiring at record pace, and that's uh, expected to continue. Baby boomers are retiring, and many of them are retiring earlier. So that much more of an importance to make sure that they, one, they have a longer span in retirement and uh, their earning peak earning years have been clipped because they, they left early. All that's adding up to a real drive toward retirement income, around tax management, around bigger books. So love to hear your thoughts on all the above. I have a hunch we're probably singing from the same hymnal. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I think there are other factors, you know, even in addition to the ones that you mentioned. So if you think about expected returns over the next, you know, 10, 15 years, so if you take a look at the average 60-40 portfolio or typical 60-40 portfolio in the previous 10 years, average, I think roughly eight and a half percent annually. And a lot of experts, including JP Morgan, expect that to be potentially about half for the next 10 to 15 years. So it's increasing the need for financial advisors to find ways to deliver value in that environment. And there are you know, certain ways you can do that, but taxes are obviously a big way to add value. And if you think about, you know, I mentioned earlier, I think we're in early stages of some of these trends. So one of the main reasons that advisors want to use SMAs and direct indexing for clients is tax management and among other customizations. But today, less than 20% of advisors are using systematic tax management for their SMAs. So there's a big gap there. And then if you look at model portfolios, which I said, I think is a, a huge trend that's happening across most platforms, only 30% of model portfolio assets are in non-qualified or taxable accounts. And typically advisors are using it primarily for their smaller IRA accounts. Mm -hmm. And so there's a lot of opportunity to increase the usage of model portfolios across taxable accounts. And in fact, when advisors use our platform, we typically see that they can double the amount of assets used in taxable accounts and increase their average account size by about 6x because of being able to move the money from the current portfolio into the portfolio of choice. So those are some of the big things that are going on. But at the end of the day, you're absolutely right. These are all additional ways that advisors can add value. But at the same time, advisors are being asked to do many more things, such as financial planning and life coaching and all these things. So the key is figuring out a way to deliver this customization, but with less work and less time for the advisor than they currently spend doing it. And that's where firms like 55IP and I know LifeYield are really focused. Yeah. Of course, uh, we all have the same mantra, and I've seen it on your website about making the complex simple. I got a kind of an important, but kind of a dumb question. How do you do that? <laughs> well, yeah. I know we work at it and it's hard. So I think you guys have done a great job with that. So how, how do you pull that off? Obviously, it's all about making the complex simple, uh, producing better outcomes, all the stuff we've talked about. But how do you go about that? How do you how do you make that happen? How do you make that real? Sure. I, I'd say the, the, the folks that I work with will laugh when I say this, but one of the key mantras I have is let's not get stuck in the faculty lounge you know, <laughs> arguing over who's got the best optimizer or is this algo, how does it do, and going to the nth degree to, to work on things because there are a lot of really great solutions there from third-party model portfolios to different ways that you can manage taxes and do customizations. 
And the key is finding that right balance between the robustness of what you're providing. And it has to be at a fiduciary standard. But you can't do that in a way that takes away from the ability for an advisor to use it. And most importantly, explain it and demonstrate their value to clients by using it. It's an inexact science. And so running a fintech company, the key is making sure that you're constantly getting feedback from the key personas that you're trying to deliver your product to, make sure you're doing user testing qualitatively and quantitatively and getting that feedback if you're hitting that balance between intuitiveness, simplicity, and robustness. And uh, we'll never find nirvana there, but we work towards it every day. Yeah, completely relate. It's interesting, you know, we do a lot of these podcasts, as you know, Paul, uh, over 40 so far over the past year. And uh, I have to say, you you have actually one of the more articulate explanations of what the heck you do. So kudos to you. Thank you. I've sort of run out of questions other than to say, what have we covered? What else is on your mind that you'd love to share with our audience? You clearly get the issues at hand. You get the trends. You're building the technology. You're doing a great job as a company and personally. What haven't I covered that, that uh, you might want to share with our audience? So I think that for me, it's this uh, sort of continuing on the conversation we were having around simplicity and robustness. I take that also to this growing trend towards customization. So there's lots of articles about customization, hyper-customization. How can you provide better solutions to clients? And at the end of the day, what I really think it is, is that advisors need to feel that the portfolios they are delivering are theirs whether they're leveraging a third-party asset manager or a home office, that they have a say, they can put their thumbprint on it, that they can explain them, and most importantly, they can demonstrate their value in terms of outcomes. And then clients need to feel that our portfolios are tailored to them. Now, I'm not talking about hyper-personalization because I don't think most clients want to have complete control, but there's typically a few things that are important to them. Taxes, certain holdings they want to keep, increasingly social impact, And so tailoring, not necessarily customizing, but tailoring the solutions in a scalable way to make those solutions feel personal without sacrificing the scale for advisors, that's the key. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. One of the things that's interesting to note about what we're talking about here is that uh, what's central is, and we just just submitted a paper to to a group on this topic of hyper personalization or customization. And I think a lot of people sort of get caught up in the buzz of that. What it really comes down to is I think what you pointed out is that people want to have advisors in particular, they want to have their thumbprint on it. And while they so many of the advisors we know love to play portfolio manager and and do a good job of that, uh, at the end of the day, it's less about how you manage the money, but what you get as an outcome and taxes have the biggest impact on that. And clearly that's where you guys are focused. You've done a great job of that. It seems to me, I'd love to get your thoughts on this. It seems to me that advisors are sort of coming around to the fact that taxes are kind of the, the key. It's not that they've always loved to manage portfolios. That's probably why they got in the business. Right. But at the end of the day, it's it's really about tax, after-tax outcome. Yeah, I think that's right. And, and if you think about, you know, what's really changing in the marketplace, why is why wasn't tax management used as frequently and why is it really becoming more important and growing? So there are the, the things that are happening in the marketplace, like the potential for increased taxes, lower expected returns, all the things that we discussed. But if you think about tax management, advisors haven't done it largely because it's hard to show the potential benefit of doing it. It's hard to do at scale historically. And then once you've done it, it's difficult to show the value of what you just did. And I think firms like 55 IP and Lifefield were really trying to close that loop. 
Yep. So providing an estimate for the benefits of tax management, doing it in a systematic way, and then allowing the advisor to demonstrate their value by showing the results that were provided. And I think that is a key reason it's happening. And, and then I'll also add that the automated monitoring is key. So just to give you an example, in 2020, March of 2020, when the world was going crazy and the markets were falling, since we were automatically monitoring portfolios, we were able to move close to 70% of all of the portfolios into their target in the month of um, March without taking on any additional tax budget because we're using losses to get there. So we're getting clients to the right portfolio and set up for when the portfolio would eventually increase, which obviously happened the same year, and saving clients on their tax bill along the way. And so while advisors were trying to put out fires, talk to clients, this was happening behind the scenes and giving them a way to demonstrate value as opposed to having to go in during that time and figure out how are they going to provide value from a tax management perspective. So the automation is key. Gotcha. Yeah, one of the things that we've been talking about at Lifefield and uh, explaining what we do, because, you know, we work at the household level and a lot of our, our alpha is generated off of asset location and household rebalancing and income generation. And so we're income sourcing, as we call it which includes more than just the portfolio, Social Security and pension and whatever all else they might have as an income source. But this way we've been sort of boiling it down, you're welcome to steal this if you'd like, and that is that we don't just integrate, we coordinate various capabilities, portfolios, Social Security, whatever it might be. We coordinate, we quantify the benefit of that through the various ways, asset location, rebalancing, et cetera, income generation. And then we prioritize and create the next best action. That's really the key is that, so what do I do about it? And as you've pointed out, uh, and we know well, is this stuff's really complicated. Uh, you get into a portfolio with six, seven, eight, ten 10 accounts, whatever. They're held all over the place. There's zero coordination. They may have a portfolio they happen to really love, and that may be the core of the holdings for that particular household. But what about the rest of the stuff? And what about the stuff that's not included? I think we'd agree that that's seems to be where our industry is headed is coordinating all the above. So Yeah, I would totally agree. And where we really focus at 55 IP, in addition to the front end user experience to to show the potential value and, and help advisors create the right plan for their client, we spend a lot of time on the back end. How do you make the implementation yes. as simple and seamless as possible? Yep. And that could go from having 55 IP actually push the trades and we built a lot of connectivity across the industry to mm -hmm. do that or serve up fully formed tax efficient trade lists for the advisors to review yep. and scalably press go and implement. So because once you do all of the work, if it's too hard to implement, that's where you lose um, a lot of the throughput and value for the advisor and client. That's great. So this has been a great conversation. As we look to wrap up, uh, three key takeaways. What, uh, what would you like to share with our audience? Sure. So I say there are three things uh, One under one sort of overarching point, which is that for all of the things that you discussed, Jack, in terms of few advisors, more accounts, more assets, more solutions and offerings, is that advisors need solutions that enable them to find and deliver more customization, but spend less time delivering it. And to do that, you need an advisor-led experience that doesn't force them to go to email, phone, spreadsheets in their workflow, and it has to be connected with how they do business today and not a rip and replace solution. Two, you need the ability to customize from a tax management perspective and in terms of unique investment objectives, values, and ESG, depending on your views as an advisor and your client's need. And it has to provide a lift from a practice management perspective. And that goes back to the automation for monitoring and implementation that allows the advisor to have oversight 
and control, but make it really easily to put in practice. That's great. So my other favorite question, in addition to the, the quick summary, which uh, you did so nicely, I would like to ask our guests each week, uh, what's something they do outside of work that uh, their colleagues might find interesting or surprising that uh, you do when you're not doing your day job? So what have you to share? Sadly, I don't have the most interesting life, Jack, but uh, <laughs> I can relate. as a parent of two teenage kids, I spent a lot of time. Right, right. <laughs> but for years, I've coached uh, youth lacrosse in the Boston area. And my favorite activity is cross-country skiing, which isn't, and I live in the city, so it's not as easy to uh, to do. Although one of the best days that I had uh, this year was when we had a big snow uh, fall and I was able to get out on the streets before they were plowed. And so those are always good days for me. That's great. So for our, our listeners who would like to get in touch with you, what's the best way to reach Paul Gamble at 55IP? Sure. You can reach us at uh, 55-ip.com. And we've got our advisor success team that's uh, available to interact with you that way through chat, through email, if you're interested in learning more. That's great. Great. So Paul, thanks. This has been a real pleasure. Really uh, enjoyed getting to know you and 55IP. You guys are on a tear, it seems to me. So congratulations for that. For our listening audience, if you've enjoyed our podcast, please rate, review, subscribe, or share. Uh, what we're doing here at Wealth Tech on Deck, we are available wherever you get your podcasts. Again, thanks, Paul. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you very much, Jack. It's been great. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wealth Tech on Deck, our ongoing conversation about improving financial outcomes for all. This podcast is brought to you by Life Yield and produced by Reverb. Subscribe to future episodes in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can connect with our host, Jack Sherry, on LinkedIn and Twitter. And for more information about our perspective on the future of financial advice, visit our website at lifeyield.com.